Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. We record on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, and I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ongoing connection to the land. Their stories are the original stories, and I pay my respects to them. Now, on Final Draft, we explore the best of Australia's books, writing, and literary culture. And if you're familiar with the Great Conversations podcast, you know that every week we love to get into books. But 2019 has just left us, and I thought I'd take the chance just to... Um, um, do a wrap-up, maybe let you know some of my favourites. You know, I don't think I've ever done an end-of-year list for Final Draft. If you, you know, catch me during the day, I'll happily recommend you a recent favourite, but I've never collated a selection to present in any formal way. One of my goals at Final Draft is to present Australian writing and Australian writers in a way that might intrigue and captivate, perhaps challenge, but never judge Having the extraordinary opportunity to meet and discuss with so many literary minds, I'd prefer if they hold the stage so that you, the listener, can get more of the books you love. I don't always love every book that I read, but I also understand that many of these books will have readers that love them. I also understand that these books are not written exclusively for my personal edification, so I try to approach them with an open heart. It's quite difficult then for me to collate a list of the best or select from a certain period of books one that's more worthy than others. I have a huge respect for those who can and I eagerly devour awards lists and wrap-ups, but I guess I've always been a little reluctant to try it myself. I mean, I read a lot, but nothing close to every single Australian release in a given period, so I won't even pretend to, you know, take in the entire scope of Aussie writing. So this, then, is a list of books that have personally impacted me this year. They're all 2019 releases, and they're all Australian, which meant a few books from writers working in Australia missed out because I wanted the list to reflect stories being told about Australia. I've also left off some hugely entertaining books because they didn't move me in the same way as these works have. It's a highly unsatisfactory process, and I thank you for sticking with me this far. I guess if I could tell you what to read, I would say... Read these works from 2019. They all have something important to say about our world, our country, our lives, and our future. They've challenged me, they've given me tears and troubled sleep, but they've also left me with the feeling that reading and being part of a literary community is a very fine thing to be. And so, without any further <laughs> mucking around, here are, um, here are some of my favourite reads from 2019. Starting off the list, I have Alison Whitaker's Black Work. Black Work is a collection of Alison Whitaker's poetry and essay uh, covering personal and social biography, satire and critique. It explores Alison's life as a First Nations woman and her experiences as a poet and a lawyer. Alison's collection and the opportunity that I had speaking with her for Final Draft helped crystallise for me threads of thoughts about the ways in which I read and the impact of that reading. At the beginning of the year, I undertook to review the ways Final Draft represented voices in our community. It was important to me that voices of First Nations people, as well as queer and other non-white, non-dominant culture writing, was featured on the show. In Black Work and through Alison's writing, I discovered that just having representation is really only a first step. That we read writers from a variety of cultural or otherwise perspectives means nothing if we fail to challenge the dominant colonial lens through which we read. Now, maybe what I'm saying doesn't resonate with you. Maybe it makes you feel uncomfortable. Maybe you feel like being told how to read is a betrayal of why you engage with literary discussion. But for me, through Blackwork, through Alison Whitaker's writing, I discovered uh, 
a need to challenge, uh, to decolonize my reading and to approach the literature that I consume in new ways. So next up, I have Alice Bishop's A Constant Hum. A Constant Hum is a short story collection. It presents a collection of stories exploring the aftermath of bushfire. Across nearly 50 stories, the collection looks at the many ways we try to understand and move forward when catastrophic events occur. At the time of A Constant Hum's release, I spoke with Alice and reviewed A Constant Hum. Uh, I wrote that these the stories are visceral and sensory, opening up a world that the average reader may never experience. Now, mere months later, and across the country, Australians are getting a first-hand understanding of fire and its seemingly new place in our, in our summer life. Still, many of us will live our city lives without confronting a wall of flames, but none of us are unaffected anymore. And so Alison's stories in A Constant Hum open up a space where stories can be shared, and these stories help us begin to make sense of, I don't know, something that we're all coming to call the new normal? Third on my list uh, is Christos Chalkis's Damascus. Damascus tells the story of Saul of Tarsus. Saul was a Greek-speaking Jew, a tent maker who some 2,000 years ago was met on the road to Damascus by a blinding light and was convinced that he must bring the teachings of the Jewish prophet Jesus to the world. This is a story perhaps well known to many, whilst others may have little understanding of the tent maker whose letters came to spread Christianity to the world. And in Damascus, Christos Chalkis takes the story of Saul the man and explores his life and the origins of that early church. Christos's book was a challenge to me in so many ways. Raised a Catholic, my initial reaction was, do I really need to go into these stories that I've been subject to as a part of my youth? It's also a departure from the stories of contemporary Australia that many of uh, Christos Chalkis's readers will be familiar with, you know, the slap and barracuda, the sorts of stories that we also, you know, really typically explore on Final Draft. So I resisted initially and squirmed through, you know, those early pages of reading. There is something about Christos's writing, though, visceral and charged. He brought me into a world where religion and social life was fractured and people sought truth amidst falsehood. The book didn't seek my conversion and there was no road uh, to Damascus moment for me. But in elucidating an historical moment and revealing characters from their dogmatic caricatures, I was able to engage with these stories in a way that showed me more of a world that I guess I had long dismissed as irrelevant. Now, last on my list is Tara June Winch's The Yield. The Yield is a story of Australia told across three distinct narratives. Albert Gondawindi is writing a dictionary that he hopes will revive his language and culture for his family, particularly after he dies. August, his granddaughter, is returning to Prosperous House to farewell her grandfather, just as miners arrive to plunder the land for tin. And through the letters of Reverend Ferdinand Greenleaf, we are taken back to the founding of Prosperous House and see exposed the racism and discrimination at the heart of these relations some a century earlier before uh, Albert's story. The Yield is quite simply an extraordinary literary work that I wish everyone could read for its style, its linguistic dexterity, its remarkable story and so many more small features that go into holding us as readers transfixed between its pages. It's one of many books that found me this year and challenged my thinking about the ways I read and try to understand my world and place in Australia. I've already mentioned Alison Whitaker's black work and the challenge of decolonizing my reading. I'll also mention here Bruce Pascoe's Dark Emu and Tyson Yunkaporta's Sand Talk. 
Amongst these works, The Yield stands up as a narrative that engages with the ways we read and understand history and culture and the reckoning that must be had between our colonial invader history and the history and culture of First Nations people, a history that spreads back tens of thousands of years, a history that was so brutally damaged but not destroyed. Mandangawu is the Wiradjuri word for thank you that I learnt while I was reading The Yield. And I will say Mandangawu again to Tara. And all these writers I mentioned, uh, though all not of them, not all of them are Wiradjuri people, I'll also say Mandangawu to you, my listeners. Thank you for taking an interest in the books that had an effect and moved me this year. Uh, We do have another fantastic year now in 2020 to look forward to reading, and I look forward to bringing those conversations to you. I am Andrew Popel, and this is Final Draft. Great conversations on 2SER 107.3.